You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. Thank you. I, I can't <laughs> wait to have one of those Zoom quarantine birthday parties. I've actually been kind of jealous of the people having quarantine birthday because all your friends come, not just like the three people who don't cancel at the last minute. Yeah, exactly, because you have to make almost no effort whatsoever, and you would feel so guilty if you didn't take part. Exactly. Coming up on today's show, it's all about the silver linings. As the lockdown continues or is just getting started, it seems, uh, we have had our very own quarantine content or quarantine as I like to call it. EPT Retro kicked off last week. We'll be recapping the first few days of that, which includes seasons one and two of the European Poker Tour back from 2005, 2006, and a little of season three we covered this week. We've also consumed some quarantine of other varieties, AKA we've been watching some shit. So business as usual coming up as we talk about what we've been doing with the slightly more free time we've had over the past few weeks. Speak for yourself. I'm homeschooling a child at the moment. That's what I'm saying. It's slightly. It's like, it's not, look, I'm I'm pretty busy myself. Uh, and the rest of the time, I can't bring myself to do anything. Uh, I have played some online home games with some interesting friends. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, as well as give an update on my own PokerStars home game. I teased a few weeks ago. Uh, and as far as those interesting friends in my home games are concerned, yeah. one of them was the guy, is the guy that we are having on our show today. One of my comedy idols, Michael Ian Black, is on the show today. I'm very excited for that, but also I'm not going to lie, James, I've been dreading this. Why? Because it's that big of a deal to me. Oh, like I'm actually nervous about this interview. This is a bit like when I had to interview Kylie Minogue back in the day and did an absolutely appalling interview because I was fawning all over her. Yes, and if this turns out to be an appalling interview, I'm going to need you to edit out this part of the show where I talk about being nervous because I don't want that going out there. I don't know how to talk to him. Like in my Zoom home game, we had booked the interview, right? And then all yeah. of a sudden he's in, he's on Zoom with me. And I'm like, do I, there's eight other people, right? So I'm like, do, do I talk to him? Like, it was very awkward. I barely said a word to him. Hopefully it goes a little bit later, uh, a little bit better later in the show. Uh, there was also a, a pretty massive Sunday million that happened a few weekends ago. We should yes. probably talk about that a little yes. bit. And I wish I could say I didn't have the time to rewatch Blade Runner 2049, but I absolutely did, uh, which is lucky, both because that's the super fan subject today and I forgot what a masterpiece this movie is. It is really a beautiful fucking movie. Yes. It's a long film, but it's a great film. Let's discuss it later on when we're joined by our superfan. Let's talk about the other stuff we've been watching. And the weird thing is, Joe, and we've talked before about the fact that I have a list, right, of all the shows on Netflix I want to see, all the shows on Amazon Prime I want to see, all the stuff I've recorded on my Skybox, all the HBO shows and the uh, Showtime shows that I've recorded. And what am I doing? I'm going back over old stuff. I don't know why. I guess right here, right now, we need that reassurance. And maybe nostalgia is what's doing it for us. I'm doing the same thing, and I have a theory. I at least know why I'm doing it. One is that I'm not able to focus 
that much right now. Um, I find myself constantly wanting to check the news, constantly want to check my phones. I'm in more communication with more people than I have been in a long time. Everyone's kind of checking up on each other. So I'm rewatching stuff partly because I get the joy of re-experiencing it without necessarily having to give it my undivided attention. Okay. And also, I agree with you that we just need something familiar and comfortable. So uh, what have you been rewatching? I have started from episode one of The West Wing. Now, bear in mind, there are 156 episodes of The West Wing, and I think I have done the entire West Wing twice, if not three times. This is either my third or fourth go-around, but I never get tired of watching it. And it's not just because it's a fantasy of what you could have in an idealistic American government. I think it's just so beautifully written and realized the characters are just so engaging. Aaron Sorkin's writing and show running is so on point. Yeah. And this time watching it with the entire family from the very beginning, it probably is my favorite TV show of all time. It's certainly, I believe, one of the best ever made, but it's my personal favorite. It's one I just never get bored of watching. In between that, and I know I complained a lot towards the end of last year about the fact that Disney Plus launched in America months before the rest of the world and certainly six months before the UK. The irony being that this then happened and the timing was almost perfect. Disney Plus launches on March 24th in the UK as the quarantine begins and suddenly that world of content is opened up to everyone and it has been awesome to explore all the Star Wars movies in 4K Dolby Vision. And you know I'm an AV nerd. Okay, I'm ignoring the prequels, but to watch the original trilogy, even the fucked up versions with the CGI Jabba, Greedo saying McClunky, the Nub Nub song being removed. I have to say, the standout, I mean, I'm a big fan of the movie anyway, but if I'm going to look at it objectively as a visual feast, Rogue One looks sumptuous, looks beautiful. It's never looked better. So I've very much been enjoying that. At some point, I'm going to finally watch The Clone Wars because I never watched that. I have rewatched a few episodes of Star Wars Rebels. I notice that all the MCU movies, all the Marvel movies are also on there in 4K yeah. Dolby Vision. So I've got that journey still to go. Do you think you'll rewatch all of the Marvel movies in no, this time or a no. bunch of them? It's going to be a case of let me just watch like some key scenes and go. Are there oh, any that you that haven't seen yet? Marvel movies? Yeah. No. No, I've done the MCU, the entire thing twice. Twice? You've well, seen both Ant-Mans twice? Yeah. Oh. Well, sorry. Obviously I watched the films as and when they came out, not in cinemas, yeah. but normally on planes or or, or on yeah. home video. And then when I wanted to watch all the films with the family. We started at Iron Man and ended with Spider-Man Far Away From Home. So we did the entire thing in chronological order. Wow, that's serious. I, I, so I've re- By the way, re-watching... on that subject, on that subject, sorry to yeah. interrupt. That's okay. I'm not going to name the guilty party here, but a colleague of mine, someone we both know, has decided that they want to watch the Marvel movies from the beginning, but got some advice from some website that says oh, you should no. watch them not chronologically in terms of when the films were released, but yeah. chronologically in terms of timeline. So you start with Captain America and then move on, I guess, to Captain Marvel. No, just no. Who is giving yeah. this advice? What website thinks that is a good idea? 
it's a website that needs to put out four articles every hour to keep people clicking on their fucking stupid ass website. It's like if you what is it? it's like if they took uh, the prestige and just played it all in order, right? Like that's just not the way the authors intended it. Like it's beautifully crafted the way it is. Just watch them in the order they were released. Correct. Uh, I'm rewatching Justified with my with my girlfriend. Um, she's been a little bit more, I'll just say, romantic during this quarantine than I've been. So I'm putting Timothy Oliphant on screen to distract her. <laughs> he uh, is a very handsome man. Super handsome man. So I think we might go to uh, Deadwood next because I have never watched the Deadwood movie. So oh. I am. I'm going to try to rewatch it. But we've discussed watching West Wing. Uh, so that might be on the agenda, too, depending on how long this all lasts. I am not watching the Tiger King because uh, no. it's just not not my thing. I don't give a fuck. Uh, and you're not watching Better Call Saul. No, I'm not. Um, mainly because I'm spending most time with the family and it's not really family entertainment. Uh, I do right. really want to see it. It's also one of those shows which at the moment is drip feeding one new episode a week. Yeah. And what I did with the last seasons is I normally wait until it's kind of like played out and then I can just blow through it. You're not as active on social media as I am. I run the risk of things getting spoiled like Ozark season three just came out. But the problem is, and I'm sure this is what you're running into too, is that I don't have a family, but me and my girlfriend don't have a lot of time away from each other. So typically I have my shows, she has her shows, but now all of them are our shows. So if we're not perfectly in sync, it's really not something I'm going to be able to watch. So I'm afraid Ozark's going to get spoiled more than it already has. I meant to ask you this. Yeah. When it happened, did you see the Daniel Craig, James Bond playing crap sketch on Saturday Night Live? I did. So many people linked linked me to it. I should say you're right. I don't spend that much time on social media. I honestly don't believe I can possibly understand how you can spend as much time as you do, but I don't want to get into that now. Um, <laughs> but I was pleased that I got to see this. It was awesome. James Bond in a kind of like Vegas environment on a, on a, on a heater at the craps table. It was, it was pretty good fun. It was so funny. I was expecting to not like it. I was like, man, they absolutely crushed this. Anyone that's ever been at a craps table exactly. in Vegas exactly. is going to totally understand this. Exactly. Right. Let's get into the poker headlines of the last two weeks. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears News. And we start with the story that Joe teased at the top of the show, the Sunday Million 14th anniversary, which was advertised weeks, if not months ago, as the biggest guarantee in PokerStars history. And when you consider what's going on in the world right now, no surprise that it became the biggest tournament in PokerStars history, with a total of 93,016 entries. The guarantee on this, Joe, was 12.5 million. That guarantee was smashed long before the late registration period closed. An $18.6 million prize pool split between the top 13,319 players. 13,319 people cashed. Correct. Three days of play. Granted, there were breaks. Uh, the winner was a Brazilian player called Alex Brito, plays online as Arthur. He is a 38-year-old former commercial manager. He has a wife and two young kids. And the story here is that Alex became unemployed at the end of 2019. His wife also recently lost her job. He does not play for high stakes online. He won a 25-cent spin and go. Using the money he won in that game, oh, he played a $4 
Sunday Million Satellite, which won him an $11 Sunday Million Satellite ticket, won a ticket to the $215 Sunday Million Anniversary in that satellite, and then went on to make the final table, was involved in deal negotiations four-handed, locked up more than $1.1 million, and then got the extra 50k for the win. I urge you to read the story, read the interview that Jack Stanton did with this guy, which is available on the PokerStars blog. That's a little weird, though, James. Remember that other guy named Brito who won the million-dollar spinning go? Glad to be Brito. Yeah. It was now his Alex wife. Brito? The Britos. They run good in Brazil, it seems. I uh, guess they do. The other thing to say, and we talked about this briefly on our EPT Retro stream, Joe, Turbo Series 6 has just been announced, just been added to the schedule. This is going to be running from this weekend, from April the 5th to the 19th. Total guarantee of $25 million across 114 events. Should point out this is for players in the global shared liquidity pool. Mm-hmm. Buy-ins range from $11 to $5,200. And I always like these tourney series, which allow players with different bank roles to take part. So there are plenty of low buy-in events as well. And when it comes to the main event, which is taking place on Sunday the 19th of April, there are two tiers. There's a $55 buy-in with a $1 million guarantee. And there is a $1,050 buy-in with a $2 million guarantee. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this a bit more in the coming weeks because EPT Retro will continue next week with more seasons from Season 3, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Very simple concept as we stream on Twitch and YouTube two days a week. New commentary over old poker, taking a 2020 look at poker from the early to mid-2000s. Last week, Joe, we covered all of Seasons 1 and 2. And I was going to ask what highlights the highlight was for you i think i can say immediately that for me it was when we got to the monte carlo grand final in season one and it was the first time we saw poker played at the very first level because everything up until that point right had been a final table and it was pretty autopilot poker it's it's shallow stacks all in all highlights yeah but even though it was highlights the early levels of the grand final a 10k buy-in the poker was so bad. There were so many fundamental mistakes being made that you, me, Spraggy, were like, how do we get back to 2005? How do we get to play during this era? Uh, yeah, the weird thing is, though, back then, we were even worse than those people were. Yes, that is true. They're, they were the cream of the crop. I mean, they still were better poker players than us, so... Um, with the knowledge I have today, yes, I'd probably travel to other places in time first, given the knowledge I have today. But, yeah, a lot of really hilarious bad stuff happening then. Uh, highlight for me was I'd never seen Vicky Corns win before. Of course. Uh, the original one, other than maybe the final hand. So that was really cool to see. And also, I, I kind of get the, the Vicky Corn love affair now. Uh, you know, I only knew Vicky 10 years after that. So to see her why everyone fell madly in love from her and stayed that way over the course of the decade makes perfect sense. Very charming, very fun to watch. Um, and then there was some, there was just, it's the, the dick swinging for lack of a better word, I think is my favorite thing about this. Yes. We've spotted so many of the, uh, random all ends 
the really audacious, outrageous, ill-timed bluffs, the, as you coined it, Joe, HTC syndrome, have to call. Have to call. I, look, I, I put in 30K preflop. I got to call 1.2 million. And just love the trash talk, the poker lingo, the rub downs at the table, everyone trying to make it look like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I, 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 you know, I, I'm meant to be here. Yeah, all of that really makes it worthwhile. And now that we've gotten through season three or gotten into season three, you can start to see the seeds of people starting to figure out what the right plays are in right situations. There was a modicum of consideration for ICM in the last event we covered. More coming next week. Yes, we're going to continue to do this for several weeks. Probably going to review, by the way, what time of day we stream and maybe for how long. Uh, that's uh, that's up for debate. But yes, certainly going to be around Wednesdays and Thursdays for the foreseeable future, following the EPT through to the end of Season 7. And I'm guessing it's because of that commitment, Joe, that your much-promised home game has failed to materialize. I, I don't think it's fair to call it promised. I kind of floated the idea. One, I'll say that the response wasn't overwhelming. Now, okay. I do know that if I was, it wouldn't have made a difference. So I'm going to put that out there. There's, I mean, if the response had been insanely overwhelming, sure. But believe it or not, I think I'm actually too busy right now to do a good job running the home game. The hours I have to keep with EPT Retro, not that I'm complaining, I'm happy to be busy during this time but i have to go to bed when it's still daylight of course i mean we're going on air at one o'clock in the afternoon uk time that's 5 a.m in la which means you've got to be up at like 4 15 in order to be ready to go at 4 30 right yeah i mean i'm getting i'm getting up at 3 30 to make sure wow. that i'm awake yeah that i you know I, I can't roll out of bed 15 minutes and and be awake uh, you know, to, to be ready for that. So I'm literally going to bed when it's daylight out. So it's possible once we get into the groove of the schedule uh, that things may for, may change, but I don't want to do a half-assed job of hosting the home game. Um, what I would recommend is Moneymaker's got one. Play Moneymaker's game. You can check it out. He's been tweeting about it. You he can has. get his code. Uh, he'll run a really good game. Maybe I'll play sometimes and stream that. Um, I And also, and I, I don't mean to be a dick, this is a time that my only way to interact with my friends is by playing with them specifically. And if I open it up to the whole world, it kind of takes away from that a little bit. So I kind of just want to have my own separate friend home games. And I'm guessing in the circles that you've been moving recently, you're probably getting quite a lot of invitations to play a lot of online home games. Yes, I have been. And so one of them, I, I'm hoping I can uh, share a quick little story with you guys sure. about that. Now, there's a famous home game happening right now over zoom uh which is like hank azaria and brian koppelman and a bunch of other famous people there was actually a write-up on poker news that sort of borrowed some of the themes from the la times if you guys want to check those articles out my home game has some overlap with those guys including josh molina danny zucker michael Ian black as i mentioned however i was floored this week participating in our home game nate silver wow yeah, the guy from 538. Now, he wasn't at my table, so I didn't actually get to interact with him over Zoom. But I did absolutely drop out. What did he get the percentages wrong when he went broke? Um, <laughs> I did want to do a hand history okay. from that game. Are okay. you down? Yeah, let me fire it up. It's a fantastic journey through space and time. It's hand histories. All right, so we're playing a tournament. It's level two. Blinds are 5,100. We start with a 3K. 
starting hack, uh, starting hack. That actually makes sense. Starting stack. Uh, hero. That's right. Hero has twenty-seven thirty-one. Pre-flop action. So I've got. Uh, oh, sorry. Hero has got uh, King of Clubs, Jack of Clubs, under the gun plus one. Okay, Jared. There's one thing we've learned from EPT Retro. Kojak has never been a good hand. It's still not a good hand. Let me tell you. Okay. Uh, as I said, today, you're going to see on, on today's uh, broadcast, I said it's just the ultimate hand for flopping, complete air. I make it 200, fold, 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 button calls, big blind calls. The flop. Ten of diamonds, ten of spades, nine of diamonds, your classic king jack flop. The big blind checks. And for people who aren't paying attention, by the way, that's no pair, a gut shot, and no clubs. Uh, I spotted that. The big blind checks, I bet 275. Any consideration, just out of interest, to just checking here and almost giving up? Bear in mind that you have little to no equity and you're betting into two opponents. There was some consideration. The two opponents I was betting into are, are folks I think that I can get fold from. Uh, I think that they're not supposed to have this. They're not supposed to have a 10 here, right? I mean, it's pretty hard to flop trips. I think I can get them to fold. Uh, so I bet 275, button folds, big blind calls. I got no information on this guy. Never played with him before. He's the guy that sort of organized all this, uh, but he doesn't seem like a shark by any means. Which takes his heads up to the turn. The turn is the deuce of diamonds. Brick. I thought so too. It's a brick for me at the very least. Uh, check, check. The river. Nine of hearts. So to repeat the board, it's 10, 10, 9, 9, deuce, three diamonds. Okay. And so we've got a flushy double paired board, and you've got king jack of clubs. Correct. I have, I have king high. I have two pair with a king kicker. The big blind bets 400. Okay. So I know there is a school of thought here that 400 is a small bet, and maybe you can pay for information. There's also the school of thought that King High could be good here if he doesn't have an ace. I mean, considering you only started with, what, 30 big blinds? That's the starting stack in this thing. Yeah. I would be inclined to conserve chips and just fold. Possibly too nitty, but that's the way I play. You like a fold there. I, I typically am that nitty as well, but in this case, I was just very suspicious as to what hand could possibly be value betting this river, considering, again, I don't think it's that likely as a 10. Don't think it's that likely as a 9. So I decide to call, and I am very pleased to see, 5-4. Wow. But then I realize it's 5-4 of diamonds. I did say it was a, it was a double-ped flushy board, Joe. The flush was a possibility. It is a possibility, but come on. I, I like, leapt out of my chair that someone could value bet a five-high flush on a double-paired board. Because and they knew some idiot was going to pay them off. Get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, things uh, didn't go well for me in this tournament. I played uh, another hand uh, with Michael Ian Black, actually, and I was certain I misplayed and... Uh, made a bad fold after misplaying, but I asked him afterward, and it looks like I made the right decision. Let us bring on Michael Ian Black right now. So, uh, 
Michael, Ian Black, thanks so much for doing the show. The only way they let me have my uh, comedy idols on is if we somehow bring it back to poker. But luckily, we played poker last week. And yes, we did. I think I made, at, at the time, I thought I made a very terrible laydown against you. It, James, it was a king high board, and I had queen jack of clubs, and there were two clubs, and I got check raised more or less all in. That's right. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what I had, but I know there was no, I didn't have a king. That's all I remember. You told me you had the nut flush draw. That sounds right. In fact, okay. that's right. This is sounding more and more suspect. <laughs> no, I, whatever I said to you, I wasn't lying. I wasn't. Okay. Whatever, whatever I said to you wasn't true. I mean, was true. Um, I, 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 I don't think I saw any upside in lying to you, uh, for a, <laughs> basically a single table sit and go tournament that I wasn't going to care about particularly. Okay, good. Well, I, that, that made me feel a little bit better. Uh, I slept better that night. Let's uh, talk a little bit. You tweeted a few months ago that all you want to do is hang out with your family and play poker. And I know this because I thought for three hours about the perfect response before chickening out. Um, <laughs> where did this love affair of poker begin? Uh, I started playing poker as a kid when I was very young in elementary school. Um, among the few good, uh, enjoyable things in my household was we occasion occasionally they would break out this poker chip set and we would play all these, you know, sort of family poker games, um, for chips. And I found it totally exciting. It, it, it didn't mean I didn't care at all that there was no money involved. In fact, I, 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 I don't think I would have played for money. I just, I loved playing. At what point did you figure out that it could be played for money? I think it was years. I honestly think it was years that it even occurred to me that there could be a fiduciary component uh, in poker. I thought you were about to say last week. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, which games were you playing back then? Like where did, which, which one really grabbed you? Uh, my favorite, I think, was baseball. Uh, mostly, I think, because it was called baseball. And if I remember correctly, the rules are threes and fives were wild. Wow. Uh, uh, and then, gosh, I don't remember what the four was for. It was like if you had a four in your whole cards, maybe that was wild, too. But the threes and fives were only wild if they were showing something like that. I loved it. This definitely sounds like the kind of game a kid would love. And in fact, there's a, a question coming up in our stupid game later that has very similar rules to that. Uh, let's talk about the transition from from those table games, uh, home kitchen table games, to Hold'em. When did that happen? I started playing poker as an adult uh, with seven-card stud. It was before the hold'em craze really took off yeah uh it was just it was maybe just starting to and i decided that if i was going to play seriously i wanted to play seven cards stud i wanted to learn that game first in a in a in a meaningful way because i thought like my analogy at the time was like well this is like if you're learning to be a dancer you learn ballet first like you learn the classics first and so in like 1996, 97, something like that, I started playing in what I thought was a pretty serious home game hosted by a comedian named Eddie Brill. Uh, oh, I've heard of this game. This is a this is a legendary game. Yeah, and I used to play in that every week, uh, losing 
every week, but knowing that I was going to lose and, and, and knowing that I just wanted to learn how to play. Um, and I was willing to kind of pay my tuition. And so I started ordering, uh, uh, oh, what's that, that publishing company called, uh, but like Sklansky books, you know, about, about playing, learning how to play. is the yeah. big one now. I forget, I forget what it was back in the day. wasn't it, back in the I day? Wait, I could literally, I'm in my office and I could turn around and look and I forgot that I could do that. Wait, hold on a second. My poker books are up high on the shelf. <laughs> He's got like one of those ladders on wheels just attached to the bookcase. No, I'm standing on a rolling chair. No! Uh, which Be go careful! Yeah, so I arrogantly, the first book I bought was Seven Card Stud for Advanced Players by Sklansky, Malmuth, and Ray Z, and it's from, oh, 2 Plus 2, a uh, publishing company. Of course. Um, but I was not an advanced player. I just, I, it, was, it would have been too galling for me to buy a uh, beginning book. I would go play Seven Card Stud at Commerce um, for, you know... I, like two, four, four, eight, three, six. I feel like it was, 15, you know, it was obviously 16 hours at a time. Uh, I mean, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> and then gradually, I don't even remember when I switched over to, to hold them, but it, it, it was before the boom. It was definitely before the boom. And then that was it. And then I just kept playing hold them. And, you went on to be one of the early winners on Celebrity Poker Showdown. What do you remember about that experience? Mostly remember that it was a free trip to Vegas, uh, and that it was at the Palms, and they would give you a lot of uh, uh, credit, uh, hotel credit, that you couldn't spend at the casino, but you could spend anywhere else. So I went with some friends and then treated them to, like, dinner at like expensive dinners for the two or three nights that we were there and the quality, the level of the poker was terrible. Um, which was to be expected because this was right when the poker boom was just sort of taking off. But among celebrities in particular, we are not for our, uh, skill at almost anything. The poker poker was really bad. So it wasn't, it wasn't much of an accomplishment to win. Um, although, I ended up playing heads up against Norm Macdonald, who is a very good poker player, and uh, and just kind of lucked out against him. And your charity, they were pretty happy, I assume. They were happy, yeah. So, uh, based off your tweet of like, I love uh, poker, is like the number five thing you listed of the only things you want to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Do you have poker aspirations? Like, if you could play as much as you wanted, if if working and being a parent weren't uh, that important anymore and you had all the time in the world, what would you want to accomplish in poker? I, you know, I often have played too much poker in my life. Like there are times in my life where I'm, I'm bored or I'm unemployed or whatever, and I'm just playing too much poker. And what I realized during those times is that whatever poker aspirations I might have had at one time for myself have long since evaporated. Like, you know, I think every poker player at some point in their life has the fantasy of being a pro or that's all that they do is play poker. And I've realized like, I just don't, I have neither the aptitude, I just couldn't live with the stress of it. I couldn't live with the swings. I couldn't let, live with hanging out with poker players all day, every day. Like I just, I, I don't think I could do it. So I don't think I have any aspirations other than to improve my own game slowly and over time.
It's kind of like fishing for you, it sounds like. Like, you're just happy to spend your days doing it, but you don't necessarily need to win a fishing tournament. No, nor do I particularly need to or want to eat fish every day. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, like losing always stings, but I'm never going to be in a situation where I'm playing for an amount that's meaningful because uh, just because I, I couldn't, I don't, I don't have that thing in my blood. I don't have that thing where I'm just willing to gamble. I'm not. Is that a new thing or is that something that has only come with being a parent? No, no, no. I was never, I never, I never put myself in any kind of financial, like if I, if I lost, uh, I don't, and this is still true for me. If I lost two or $3,000, in a single session like that would be really, really upsetting to me. Um, and it might make me swear off poker for half an hour, but, it's, <laughs> but it's not gonna, it's not going to kill me. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not going to crush me. I, uh, I lost, I lost like 12 or $1,500 to our uh, mutual friend, Josh Molina one time. And I was sick for about a week about it. So I totally understand yeah. that sort of rationale. I want to pivot a little bit. You said that, um, you know, you wouldn't want to be around poker players necessarily for that amount of time. Uh, you've been very outspoken against uh, and just sort of on the topic of toxic masculinity. Uh, is that one of the things the poker table seems to really breed that sort of behavior? Is that one of the things you would want to avoid by not playing much poker? I mean, among other things, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, it's like there's a there's a there's a kind of stereotypical poker player. And I'm just not that guy. Like, I'm never going to be the guy sitting at the table complaining about the football game uh, in praise of our current president um, or, or, and this is probably the key, giving bad beat stories. Like, I'm just never going to give you a bad beat story and I really don't want to hear yours. I'm happy to talk about almost anything else when I'm in a talkative mood. A lot of times I don't want to talk at the poker table, which... I don't, I don't know how true that is for most players, but like I'm not there to socialize most of the time. I'm there to just to, to kind of, I, I go into like a little cocoon, like a bubble. And for me, it's, it's sort of self-soothing to be there and to just be focused on this one thing. Um, and it's almost meditative for me. So like, I'm not like chit chatting between hands. I'm, I'm usually not like on Twitter between hands. Like I'm, I'm fairly like a, I'm a self-contained warm body at the table and I'm not good for the game in that, in, you know, in those terms, like I'm just, I'm not like a great person to have at the table. So d does that make the zoom, the whole zoom poker that's happening right now because of, uh, you know, the, the quarantine, it, that's kind of a weird situation, right? Like, cause we're all looking at each other, but no one's really saying anything. Well, the one game that I've been playing in, and I've been playing in it uh, like once a week, is guys that I've known for years. And my relationship with those guys is primarily social as, as opposed to primarily poker. So I'm happy to like chit chat and hang out with them um, and be talkative. But then, it, like, if we're not talking to each other, like, nobody cares either. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a good speed for me. It's like a typical kind of one-two no-limit game where, like, you know, it's, it's just very social and, and very chill. And I, I like that. 
I was like, I don't know if I should be talking to these people or not. Like, I don't know anyone that well, but if I strike up a conversation with Michael, now seven other people have to listen to it. it was- right. The game that the tournament that we were playing where we didn't know anybody or nobody, or I, at least I didn't really know anybody other than our friend, Josh. Um, to me, that was like a perfect storm of awkwardness. You know? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. You're staring at these people on zoom who you don't know, like you kind of can't escape their faces. Let's, Let's move on to comedy, if we can, for a couple of minutes. Uh, Michael, most of our um, audience is uh, not American. So Ah. as far as things that have necessarily been bigger in Europe or the UK, what are some of the things that people might know you from there? Oh, gee, none. None. People barely know me in the States. I mean, I honestly don't know if anything that I've done is really. Oh, you know what? Uh, there was a there was a movie that I wrote that was, I think, a a, a, a modest hit in the UK uh, called "Run, Fat Boy, Run" that starred Simon Pegg and uh, I remember that movie. David Schwimmer, um, I, and and starring ho- a poker player Hank Azaria as well, and Handy Newton, um, and then. Uh, there was another show that I don't think went overseas called Viva Variety. And there was a show, oh, maybe the TV show Ed, I think w- was a network show. And I think it might've been in the UK. Um, I don't know. Uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. You I think probably- Simon Pegg, I think you, I think you, you, you pegged it right there at Simon Pegg. James, that James lit up. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, Simon Pegg's practically Hollywood now, right? Because JJ Abrams just puts him in everything, but yeah, but, but yes, no, I do very, very clearly remember that film and i'm also pretty certain that ed did get picked up by the uk networks ah well i was on that show i was i was i was the bowling alley manager phil on the tv show ed this i just have to say this so i wrote one spec script for a drama in my entire life and it was an ed episode well and you and you didn't get the job right i did not get the job well it 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 was a comedy you fool it was a (laughs) Sorry, hour long. I should have said hour long. It was a comedy. Uh, I had your character getting really into playing Mortal Kombat with a uh, with a kid in a wheelchair. Uh, Michael, before we uh, before we cut you loose, uh, one last question is: a lot of people are making quarantine promises right now about projects they would do once this is all over. Have you made any? Do you have any in the back of your mind that you're like, man, if I could just do anything I wanted after this, it would be this. Honestly, and I I I I say this. With the caveat, and everybody, I hope and understands the caveat of the moment that we are in, which is that it's a it's a it's a horrifying, traumatic moment for the globe. That aside, I've never been happier. I love being at home. I love being semi-retired. You know, out of out of being forced to be semi-retired, and I love that uh, I'm not even allowed to like go out and like <laughs> pursue things and hustle for things like that. Like the fact that like I'm obligated to be here has, has actually released so much pressure off of my shoulders. Yes. I will lose my house at some point, (laughs) but for the time being, I've never been happier. This has been great. People are dying. I, I'm not minimizing that, but my own experience of being home with my kids for, for weeks and my kids are older so i don't have to parent them thank god um has been great 
I, I, I will admit that I kind of am seeing the same relative silver lining is that nothing is expected of me right now, which is kind of a nice feeling. I don't feel guilty not going to open mics. I don't feel guilty uh, drinking a beer at one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of all laissez-faire at the moment. And there is a certain amount of comfort. I get in that. I totally hear you. Uh, before we get to the game, is it at all annoying when people want to talk about things from, say, 20 years ago instead of, say, insatiable? Oh, uh, right. Is insatiable on in the UK? That's a that was a that's a Netflix show that that's I was in, I was in a lot in the first season. And then the second season I wasn't in. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is annoying. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we can totally skip this game of Stella Shorts trivia if you want to. Oh, no, I'm happy to. I, mean, <laughs> okay. I, just, I just thought you meant comparatively speaking. Like, I'd rather speak about new things than old things. Of but course. that's because, because uh, I, I already feel washed up and irrelevant. And then to be like, well, but you remember when you did this thing that people liked? Yes, it was 20 years ago. That That's a terrible feeling. But yes, I, let's play your stupid game. But this is I'm amazing. Glad that because- I at least acknowledge that before plowing ahead anyway. This yeah, is amazing no, because you were actually given the opportunity. No one else has ever been given the opportunity to say no to playing <laughs> one of Joe's stupid games. You had an out and you didn't take it. No, because I'm a gracious guest. He is a gracious guest. So let's hope he, he remains that way after dealing with these questions. Yep. I, as you saw me tweet the other day, Michael Ian Black, I think that the Stella Shorts is quite possibly the funniest thing of all time. I showed them to my impressively yet not creepily young girlfriend. She also loved them. Uh, we're calling this game Getting Stella's Groove Back. It's basically a trivia game about the funniest thing of all time. The collection of Stella Shorts. Are you ready? I am. You have multiple choice options here, should you need them. Okay. In the Stella short entitled Board, which book do Michael, Michael, and David read to each other in unison? Uh, it's one of the Harry Potter books, but I couldn't tell you which one. Your choices are Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Shit. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Twilight, or Jude the Obscure. Uh, I think it's Azkaban, am I right? Sorcerer's Stone is the one we were looking for there. It's literally like the first question I got wrong. First God. question, first Harry Potter book. That's okay. There's uh, there's only 25 more. You'll be fine. Uh, question number two. Okay. In the Stella short entitled Poker, Michael Showalter's rules for his game of dealer's choice is deuces are wild coyotes, trips are kings, and fours are what? <laughs> are fours... No I don't even Deuce. remember that short. I don't even remember that short. Doesn't remember the... See, this is the problem I ran into. I'm like, either he'll remember these so well or not at all. Okay. Are fours fours? Are fours deuces? Or are fours it's always coming sevens? Fours are fours, I'm guessing. Fours are fours is correct. Okay, good. All right. That was just a guess based on Showalter, not based on any memory or knowledge of the actual video. You got to know your poker player. Question number three. <laughs> I'm doing great at these. You are. You're 50-50 so far. No, I'm, I'm 0 for 2. No, no. You said fours are fours, right? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I did. All right. You're correct. Uh, question number three. In at least three different lovemaking scenes, David attempts to heighten his pleasure by doing what? Is it by biting his thumb 
tying his belt around his neck, rubbing his nipples, or spitting in his partner's mouth? Yeah, biting his thumb. Biting his thumb is correct. Okay, good. And I, I can tell to... you where that I'm almost sure that comes from Laverne and Shirley. I'm Please almost tell 100%. me. I tried to Google it, like, is biting your thumb during sex a thing? I couldn't find anything. I think it's like when when Lenny would like bite or Squiggy would bite the like heel of his hand or something. I'm almost sure that's where it comes from. Incredible, incredible. Question number four. In the Stella short Raking Leaves, yeah. future superstar Bradley Cooper plays the devil. But what first name does he use to introduce himself to Michael, Michael, and David? Bill. Bill is correct. Didn't even oh, need the choices. Good. Good, good, good. Question number five. Which of the Stella shorts is described by Michael Black as a cautionary tale? Oh, is no. it Who Done It? Is it A Day Off from Work? <laughs> is it Truth? Or is it Dick Fish? <sighs> I have no idea. I have no idea. It is the Dickfish that was the cautionary tale. Well, I'm Dick Dickfish, uh, and for your listeners who aren't, aren't familiar, is, is about a fish that has a big dick and terrorizes people. But I don't remember calling it a cautionary tale, although it, it's the most cautionary tale of all of them. Definitely sounds it's like a, a cautionary tale. It is a cautionary <laughs> tale. Only two questions left, Michael. Don't worry, your torch is almost <laughs> over. Uh, que question number six: Which of the following Stella shorts? does not feature the appearance of a gigantic rubber dildo. Uh -huh. Is it searching for Santa, awkward, yoga, or office party? I'm going to say awkward. Awkward is incorrect. We were looking oh. for yoga there. No giant dildo mm -hmm. in yoga. And final question here. Number seven in the Stella short entitled Woods. Yeah. Michael, Michael, and this David. This one I know very well. Very good. Are joined by a mysterious woodsman played by Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. When Michael, Michael, and David's lives are flashing before their eyes, two Paul Rudd movies flash before his eyes. Uh -huh. One of uh, them was the yeah. object of my affection. Yep, what yep. was the other? The Cider House Rules. Cider House Rules is correct. Oh, and finally, this one doesn't really count. Which is better? the pizza or you guys you guys or the pizza or you guys or the pizza amazing thank you so much that's probably super annoying for you to have to do but you've been a great sport thank you so much uh as far as uh things that we can do to help you out what do you most want people to do right now as far as eyeballs and clicking and their entertainment consumption dollars oh, i don't care at all uh, you can probably <laughs> me most on twitter at michael ian black but in the future, like poker events where like I don't have to pay for anything because as you, because as you referenced, like the only thing that I did is 20 years old already. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Just connect me to the poker world where I'm showing up for poker related stuff for free. That's all I want. James, we can actually help out a little bit in that department i feel like potentially we just have to wait for the entire world to return return to some sense of normality but yes i'll write it in my little book okay great yeah in 
in in a week or 10 years from now, whenever it is, <laughs> I would like to be invited to poker things and ingratiate myself into the poker community. Man, we would love to have you. We did love having you. Michael Liam Black, thanks so much for doing the show. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, before we close things out today, it is Superfan time. Chance to give one of our loyal listeners the opportunity to win some prizes. Please welcome to this week's edition of Poker in the Ears, Miles Miller. Hello, Miles. Hi, how's it going, Hardigan? What's up, Miles? I feel like I know you already. We spent so much time talking on Twitter. Oh, it's uh, Twitter's a wonderful place. Also, Miles, I love the fact (laughs) that you asked us today, will the first person I hear or talk to be a producer or will it be the guys? Number one, what's a producer? Number two, we're all working from home right now. We don't have the luxury of running things through minions. You get to deal directly with us. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Miles, before we talk about you, let's talk about your specialist subject because we had a chance to revisit a movie from three years ago. Uh, It's a personal favorite of mine, Blade Runner 2049. I actually think, and this is quite a controversial stance to take, that in a few years' time, maybe in as few as 10 years' time, people will look back and think this is a better film than the original. I, you know, I watched this um, film um, in the theater um, before I, I hadn't seen the original uh, Blade Runner. Oh, really? Wow. I just kind of wandered into the movie theater, had some time to kill, and um, I loved it. You had and three that... hours and 15 minutes to kill, including <laughs> previews? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So when, when you've um, watched this movie, have you, have you done it in one sitting? Because, boy, every time, after the first, um, last couple of times that I've watched it, um, yeah, I, I have to split it up because it is long. I did see it in theaters, so I did see it in one sitting. Since then, yes, I have taken regular breaks. It is a I've, long uh, film. I saw it in the theater. It was literally on my birthday, and we saw like a 10 p.m. showing it. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep like five times. <laughs> having, having said that, I think this movie is a masterpiece. I think it is already better than the original. I can understand that that might upset some people because, you know, things don't always um, eclipse the thing we we saw in our youth, right? Like, it's not going to be uh, a better introduction to the sci-fi genre, probably, than the original Blade Runner. But I think this movie is fantastic. And unlike many of the movies that I have seen over the last few months. Miles, I just wanted to extend a hearty thank you for mm-hmm. giving me reason to rewatch this one. I mean, I was, uh, you know, after, after I got um, notified that I was uh, picked to be on your show, I was a little nervous because I'm, I'm like, well, this isn't Battlefield Earth or uh, <laughs> what's the whole junkies. I'm like, am I, am I uh, doing this wrong? No, we were very, very grateful that people were suddenly <laughs> picking good films again. I think it's a testament to the film that you can go in cold without having seen the original and still be able to follow what's going on and still take something away. Knowing the original <laughs> and knowing the universe, I guess you get a little bit more from it. But more than anything, and I'm so glad that I own the, the, the 4K version of this film, it's visually stunning. Roger Deakins' cinematography in this film is just mind-blowingly good. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I, agree. T- I agree, and I think James, did you ever end up reading that theory about uh, 
about this movie that that like the crazy theory that I think it's that I don't want to give away any any potential answers here, but that Ryan Gosling's character is actually one of the holograms and not a replicant. I can't remember what the theory is, but it was quite interesting. Um, so anyway, we'll come to the questions about Blade Runner 2049 in just a moment. But before we get to the quiz, Miles, tell us all about yourself. You're in Canada, right? No, I'm close. <laughs> I'm in North Dakota. It's yeah, pretty I actually close. Grew, I grew up in Vermont, and um, that was a little too exciting for me. So I, I headed west, but uh, stayed in the same uh, same, um, whatever you call it, the same kind of climate. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a mailman. So right now I am an essential worker, which is nice. Um, I can go to work. Normally that's, that's been fine, but today it is, I, North Dakota is doing nothing to, um, get rid of the stereotypes. It is a blizzard today. Wow. Uh, I mean, the last few days I, I wore shorts to work um today it was 40 mile an hour winds driving snow going sideways and uh yeah so i kind of well, stay safe uh, out there man look i i happen to think the united states postal service for as much guff as it gets really is um you know uh, somewhat heroic in a lot of ways it's like uh neither snow nor sleet nor rain nor dead of night will stop the postal service from getting mail to you and people forget man that it's like what is it like 55 cents now or something and you can get a letter from new york to los angeles in like two and a half days yeah yep. that's pretty cool man thank you and thanks for you know obviously just like a lot of people these days you're risking yourself by making sure that people get the things that they need so i appreciate that man that's very cool of you thank you and the other thing to say miles is being in the state of north dakota sadly you can't play for t dollars on stars you'll be playing for merch and this is actually a PSA for all super fans of recent weeks and upcoming. We don't have access to the T-shirts at the moment. So please bear in mind that if you win prizes on this podcast, it might be a while before we're able to send them in the mail for Miles to deliver to you. <laughs> okay, let's get to the quiz. I've broken it down into three rounds. The first round is called Who Plays? And you might remember from a recent quiz that the first two questions are pretty easy and only carry a point. The second two questions are a bit tougher, but are worth two points. So the key question to you, Miles, is do you want to go easy or hard? One and two, relatively simple. Three and four, quite tough. Oh, um, well, let's, let's go number two. Number two. Who plays Lieutenant Joshi? Robin Wright. For one point. And there is a bonus question. You may remember her as Jenny in which undeserving winner of the Best Picture Oscar? <laughs> that would be Forrest, Forrest Gump. For a bonus point. Joe, which number would you like? He took number one. He took two. I'll take number one then. Who plays Sapper Morton? Who plays Sapper Morton? Oh, that is... Um, uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm just trying to remember his first name. Dave Batista. Correct for one point. And your bonus, you may remember him as the Jaguar driving villain in which Bond movie? Skyfall. Incorrect. It was Spectre. Damn it. Okay, so three or four. We get to the toughies now. Remember, these are worth two points each. Okay, I'll take four. 
Who plays Mr. Cotton? Oh my goodness. Um, I do not know. Joe, you can steal. I don't even know who Mr. Cotton is. <laughs> Mr. Cotton ran the orphanage. He was played by Lenny James. You do get the bonus though, Miles. You okay. may remember Lenny James as Sol in which recent superfan subject? Oh, um, about pool hall junkies. No, it was Snatch. So, Joe, you get question three. Who plays Fraser? Who plays Fraser? Uh, I don't know who that is either, but I'm going to take a, a stab. Edward James Olmos. No. Fraser is a female character. Do you know who played Fraser, Miles? I know the character, but um, I do not know the actress. Okay, well, Fraser is played by Hayam Abbas, and Joe, you do get the bonus. Ah. You may remember her as the wife of a media mogul in which TV series? Succession. Correct. So we have a tied game, two points all, as we go into the next round, which is called Complete the Line. They, have all, they are all of equal difficulty, so you may take question one, two, three, or four, Miles. I'll take four. Complete the line. I have memories, but they're not real. Um, I guess they're all equally very difficult then. Um, well, he repeats that. Um, they're not real. They're not real. What are they if they're not real? They are implants. I will give you the point. They're just implants. And there is a bonus wow. question. Who says that line? That is Officer K. It is K. So you get two points there. Joe, one, two, or three? I don't contest the hint, by the way. I'll take number three. You're special. Your history isn't over yet. You're special. Your history isn't over yet. I have to poop. There's still a page left. And who said that, Joe, for a bonus point? Um, the wife of the guy from Succession. No, it was Joy. <laughs> One or two miles? Two. You newer models are happy scraping the shit. You've never seen a miracle. Correct, for a point. And the bonus, who said that? Sapper Morton. And you have a 6-2 lead. Joe, Please. you should be able to get this one. It was in the trailer, for heaven's sake. I had your job once. I was good at it. Correct. Who said it? Dackard. Correct. 6-4 is the score. We go into the final round. Trivia questions with multiple choice options if you need them. You get the full two points if you don't take the options. Miles, one, two, three, or four? Number four. Where in California is the orphanage located? San Diego. Correct, for two points. Wow. Joe, one, two, or three? Three. The Las Vegas casino scenes were filmed in which European city? Monte Carlo. Would you like the options? Oh shit, yeah, sorry, options. Budapest, Prague, 
Bucharest or Warsaw? I'm going to go with Bucharest. Sounds like it. It's Budapest. <sighs> you can have one or two miles. Two. What is the name of the replicant that Joy synchronizes with to have sex with Kay? Mariette. For two points. Yeah. And Joe, you get question one. Gaff, that's the character played by James Olmos. Gaff shows off his origami skills during his conversation with Kay. What creature does he make? It's a bird. Would you like the options? I'll take the options. Is it a unicorn, a sheep, a horse, or a phoenix? I mean, a horse makes the most sense, doesn't it? Let's let's say horse. It was a sheep. Possibly a reference to the Philip K. Dick story that inspired the original Blade Runner. Oh. At the end of this quiz, Miles, you scored 10 points. Joe, you scored a measly four. Congratulations, Miles. You are a winner. And when we can, we will send you a couple of Poker in the Ears themed T-shirts in the post. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm just so, glad I didn't embarrass myself. Miles, is that considered stealing from work if you just take them? <laughs> I just take them. Um, well, um, I will probably. That's a weird question. Somebody, <laughs> else, somebody else will give them to me. Okay, I like that. Fair answer. enough. I like that. Look, man, own. I don't make it a, a, a habit of throwing the game, but because you are on the front lines out there, I figured <laughs> I should just do very, very terribly as a thank you. Yes, I oh, can completely well, believe that you screwed that up deliberately. Miles, thank you so much for sparing the time to talk to us. Thanks for coming on the show today. All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to focus on poker and pop culture and poker and pop culture. I know what you're getting at, but it probably needs a little bit of explanation. We're going to explore some poker movies. In fact, we've been planning this for some time, and this seems like a good opportunity to do it. A rounders retrospective, which we'll probably do over two episodes of the podcast. Now, this means we are going to need another rounders superfan. It has already been done as a specialist subject, but I'm willing to make an exception. Kind of feel that if we're going to do two shows about rounders, that has to be the superfan subject. So we would like you to apply for the show. And a reminder on the application process, because I think someone asked during one of our EPT Retro streams how they go about being a superfan. We need you to leave a positive review of Poker in the Ears wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Stitcher, whether it's Google Play. And then we need you to tweet with a screenshot of that review with the hashtag Poker in the Ears. I appreciate there's a lot of steps here, but you'll nail it. And obviously, please say, I want to be your rounders, Superfan, because normally we ask you to state your specialist subject. Here, we're setting the subject and asking you to rise to the challenge of re-watching rounders and applying to be on the show. And I think it's worth saying, Joe, that we should be encouraging everyone to rewatch Rounders, A, because it's a really fun movie, and B, you're going to get so much more out of the podcast if we run this like a book club and we're all able to talk about the movie from a position of knowledge. 
Exactly. And I think James and I, we, we specifically, I want to do one week speaking about rounders, but then one week we want to talk about the very famous, infamous, I should say, commentary track featuring Johnny Chan and Phil Hellmuth. So if you only have time to watch the movie once between now and then, and you've seen it a bunch already, let's watch that commentary track. So we're all on the same page about that. And I can tell you, I've owned the Blu-ray for years and I've never watched it with that commentary track. So it's going to be a new experience for me. And when Joe says we're also going to talk about poker and pop culture, and I talk about a book club, we are literally going to do a book club because Martin Harris, a one-time writer for the PokerStars blog, did actually write a book called Poker and Pop Culture about the presence of the game in movies, TV shows, music through the era. And we are going to talk to Martin and read through that book in the coming weeks. Yes, and I'm going to figure out a way because I know a lot of people maybe can't be making purchases on things like books right now. I'm going to send out a bunch of copies of the book over the next couple of weeks so people can do the same thing, read along with us, and participate. Going to have to figure out how to do that. Um, but if you're likely to participate with us, if I send you a book, do let us know. All right, guys? But that is just about all the time as we have for this week's show. Don't forget all the usual comment, liking, and subscribing. Until next time, for James Harding and I am Joe Stapleton, smell you later. <laughs>